Huh. Watching Kyle's unboxing videos again? Yeah, he always finds the coolest... No way! A robot dog? Gotta ask where he got it. Or use your Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Just draw a circle around the dog on your screen, and it shows you where to buy it right in the app. Oh, I just learned a new trick. And that for once, I beat Kyle to the next big thing. Circle it, find it. With the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Get yours now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. Some families were born into. Some families are made from the ones we meet along the way. Our families are built on love and traditions, the memories we share, and knowing that life is better because we're together. Pure Life, 100% pure quality water, refreshing every moment together. Visit purelifewater.com and discover where to buy Pure Life. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Hello, you're listening to The Podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name's Fergus and I'm your host. And in this season of Tales from the Landscape, I'm heading out with an old friend, Megan Shearsby, to search for the leaping salmon. Now, the salmon is this mighty fish that swims from the ocean up our rivers, up our streams to spawn. And it's an incredible journey. And there's a place where Megan has found, where we can stand by the river and watch them leap over waterfalls. It's called Gilvac Farm, and it's owned and managed by Radisher Wildlife Trust. Would we see some salmon? Well, listen on to find out. A rather wonderful, wonderful adventure. Ha. Right, I've just taken the biggest tumble ever in podcast history. I can barely walk. Um, however, the joyful thing is that I've arrived in the deepest heart of of mid Wales with someone with a lot of heart for nature it's my good pal Megan Shearsby. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh so nice to be here. <laughs> oh so nice to see you. Uh, so nice to survive that fall. Um, oh no, you're covered in mud. <laughs> covered in mud. I'm going to have a massive bruise. Oh. Um, where, have you, where have you brought me? So we're at Gilvac Farm Nature Reserve. It's a Radnorshire Wildlife Trust Reserve in Powys, a little bit le- west of Rayada. And it used to be a hilltop farm. And then they, the trust uh, bought it quite a few years back now. And it's just one of the most beautiful nature reserves, full of wildlife. And I love coming here. I will admit now that I did used to work here. Right, OK. So there is going to be some bias. And it's just lovely. We're here in autumn to try and see specific species. Um, yeah, but we've already one particular, yeah, one particular species. One particular we're, we're species. Really see, but we'll come to that. In we'll a see what else we see on the way. You, you've already heard dipper. I've heard some dippers on the on this river. This is the river Marteg. Is that right? Yes, yeah. and um, so the river Marteg has its source further up this valley, and it joins onto the Y just down at the main road near Rayada. Near, near the town Rayada. Of yeah. yeah. So if anyone's driven that main A road out out of Rayada, you would have driven past the turning off onto Gilvac because it's right off the main yeah, road. Yes, literally. I've, I've passed this hundreds of times in my life. Well, hundred times in my life, maybe. <laughs> and I've never turned in here. But it's yeah. spectacular. It's got a narrow valley of birches and hawthorns, and and we're just kind of all covered in berries. These hawthorns. I lovely. know. I know. Absolutely. I've already laden. seen a great tip. 
having a feast on one hawthorn tree. Oh, right, okay, they like them, do they? Oh, this is an old railway, it's like yes. an old railway line here. So I... It's okay, so here we go. Victorian masons laid bricks with precision to skew the bridge, crossing the Marteg, bearing the weight of rumbling trains. Well, it's very quiet now. I can't imagine trains in this part of the world. I know, and then further along, there's an old tunnel that's actually shut now uh, because it's too dangerous to go through. Yeah. But it is um, just open enough on the ends, I believe, for bats. So ah, bats can nice. okay. hibernate in there. Yeah, yeah, good old railway tunnels. That's, uh, yeah, it's a great place. But this is oh. a really magical place. I can just feel it's so magical. I mean, there's lots of bracken on the hills here, but got down, sort of cut down into a V-shaped valley with this fast-flowing river at the and bottom. And we, we've already seen... Uh, well, we're not quite sure what the fungi was, but it's this bright orange, Brightly coloured possibly witch's butter. <laughs> I might have to check against my ID guide because I'm a bit out of practice on mm. fungi. Very muddy. Pubs. It's very muddy, which is the reason why I have now a huge mud stain down my left leg. And by the feel of it, it's going to be the most massive bruise on oh. my side. It's one of those where you land on your bone. Uh, yeah. So we'll. Now we're just clambering through um, birch woodland. One of my favourite experiences here, when I worked here, I was working in the visitor centre during this time of year and I'd put out the moth trap either on a Friday or Saturday night thinking, oh, I'll get maybe, you know, maybe three or four species, maybe ten total moths open the trap in the morning and I had about 70 moths in my trap, 62 of which were all December moths. Oh, right. Which is this beautiful dark brown moth, quite fluffy one, um, really, really sumptuous sort of colour. And um, the only person I know that's beat me, that I know of, there might be others... (laughs) was Dr. Richard Fox from Butterfly Conservation who bought, who caught 63 of them a couple of years <laughs> later. But I, I'm still holding on to that second best catch. Of, of moths in, <laughs> of, in, in December, in winter. Yeah, um, and what, how, how do they survive in winter? Do they feed on something or do they kind I, of... Kind of tough question. There we go. Stumped, stumped already. But um, well, we'll come back to that. Maybe that's what we'll answer in the uh, plod chat later. There's some... Um, fungi going over here. Yeah, nice big brown sort of leathery like. Yeah. I'm not sure what those were. But that's in flower. Yes, that's, uh, that's Herb Robert. Is it not? Oh. What type of... No, it's more spindly than Herb yeah, Robert. Yeah, it feels... Yeah, kind of lacier. Very, very pink. We'll have to come back and work with those. I'm going to take a picture of, Yes, for, we'll for find reference. out. Lots of um, rose hips providing a bit of colour. Have you ever foraged for rose hips? No, no. Have you? Yeah, I've made rose hip syrup. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think I followed a recipe from one of the foraging books. And um, you have to be really careful because they've got the uh, itching hairs inside of them. Ah, okay. And they always recommend... Just strain them. Strain and strain again. Strain and strain again, yeah. Um, I think I did it three times just to be safe. And it creates this... You combine it with sugar, of course, because... Um, it's quite bitter otherwise. I yes. Suppose. But it's full of vitamin C, although I don't know how much vitamin C survives the process <laughs> the of boiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it creates this really nice syrup, which... It's good, is it? Yeah, I really liked it. I, um, you can put it over... You know, you eat a bit or whatever, or I sometimes made a hot drink with it, so I treated it as a cordial. Um, and it's meant to be really good for helping. And other biscuity breakfast materials. Um, uh, yes, also. of course. <laughs> or porridge or whatever. Yeah, uh, and. Um, or well, ice cream, I bet. Ice cream, be I think, really is the thing nice I was thinking cream. of. I've got to be extra careful now. And that's the, the song of the Martek. Every river has a slightly different song, I think. But it's the river that's going to be our focus, isn't that right, Megan? Yes. That's why you've dragged Would me you all like the way. Would you like me to reveal? I think so. I think we should. I think we should because. So part way up the Marteg, there's a small waterfall. So the water cascades down this 
uh, down these rocks. And this time of year, there's a special wildlife spectacle. I think it's definitely in my top three of wildlife spectacles. Something I've never seen. Yeah, so it's just to the... add tension to it. I've seen <laughs> quite a few. It's the leaping salmon, and they're trying to return up to their spawning grounds to mate. But they've got to get past the. Well, they've got to go all the way up the. Uh, is it the seven and then the Y? Yeah, the seven estuary, then seven the Y. Seven estuary, then the Y, and now on the Marteg. So they faced various predators and pollution Seals and. Yeah. and all of that along the way. Fisherman's nets. Fisherman's nets as well. And then they get up here and then they have the challenge of leaping up a waterfall, which is, oh, it's just amazing just to watch them leap up over the white water to get into the next pool and then to get up again. Um, I actually get a bit hypnotised by it. You'll find that you do as well, just watching the water as it comes down. Yeah. And you kind of enter a zone as you try and keep your eyes on every single part of the waterfall, trying to spot a salmon. So I'm sort of managing my expectations. Yes, there in is. All, the, we might all, not see one. In all wildlife <laughs> and podcast, uh, we do sometimes find our hit our missions, but. We've both got our binoculars with us so we can check all the rocks for otter spraint. Exciting, because well, there will be otters here. There'll be trout in the river all year round and then um, the salmon come up in... Why do they come up in winter? Is it because the water levels are higher? Or... I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I find quite odd about salmon is that they have so many names and I can never remember them all. Yeah. But I know that the female is called a hen... Yeah, the male is called a cock. Yeah. And, and then, but then they have lots of different names depending on oh, yes. what stage of life they're at as well, don't I they? I do know these. I do know these. Can Although, you remember them all? <laughs> there's the Aelvin, which I think that's how you say it, but I, please correct me if I, any listeners out there, or the Aelvin, which is the when it hatches out and it's still got an egg sac and it's like basically fry. And then it becomes a salmon par, and it, which is like a few inches long and it, a few centimetres long and it lives in the river for a bit. Looks a bit like a trout. Then it becomes a smolt. And I think that's when it heads down to the sea. Megan is enjoying, is so excited by my salmon nom- nomenclature. That you're, I'm, you're, I'm <laughs> multitasking. Having a look at some gorse. Uh, and then it becomes, um, yeah, smolt and then a adult salmon, I think. But then there's a grills, which is a salmon, I think, that has returned has gone back to the sea and come back again. So the ones coming back will be the grills? Oh, well, I think it's ones who've made it back, they don't die, and then they go back. Because okay. most salmon die yes. in the act of spawning, which is this great tragedy. Well, in human terms, this feels like a great tragedy. But they... It's the males mostly die. Because they don't, they don't eat in their trip up river. Which I just find bizarre. Oh, look at all this lichen sticking up. Yeah, a little sort of wispy, spiky lichen. Sorry, this is a standard walk for me where I get no, it's easily good. Well, we've, distracted. We've, we've not gone very far. There's all sorts of lichens on these rocks because the air is clean here, or cleaner. So we've got quite a lot of lichen and moss. And I should expect... While we, while we walk up river, uh, and like, tell us how you got into wildlife and... Well, oh. Uh, sorry, I'm now getting distracted by a potential otter spray. It looks like a really good rock for it, doesn't it? The river looks quite clear. There's very beautiful gravel on the bottom of it, and there's rocks and little birches growing out of the middle of it. So that's where the otters might be hanging up. So I've always been into wildlife and the outdoors. I was very fortunate that my parents, particularly my dad, loved going outside. You know, we did the the RSPB Big Garden Bird Watch from my bedroom window growing up. Lovely, yes. Um, I wouldn't say we knew, you know, when we were out out on walks or kayaking or whatever, we didn't know what we were seeing um, all the time, but we were enjoying being out. And then... I did a placement year at university with 
the Field Studies Council. Oh yes. Yeah. Down in Margan Park, in fact, South, down in Wales. South Wales, near Cardiff, sort yes. of bridge end for the way. Yeah. And that was great because it was taking children out to you know, go pond dipping, um, going down to the river to try and uh, look at the invertebrates in the river, going to the sand dunes at Kenfig, uh, shelter building, all that wonderful. Get the children outdoors, get them looking at wildlife get them identifying wildlife, even if not to species level, even if it's just yeah. a, you know, this is a snail kind of level. Um, although obviously the older students will work a bit harder. <laughs> um, and I realised that I really enjoyed British wildlife and telling people about British wildlife and all the little interesting stories that you find when you dig a bit deeper into a species natural history like the salmon. Yes. Um, and the stories of, yeah. And so I went through, I worked for a couple of wildlife trusts, including Radnorshire Wildlife Trust. And whilst I was doing that, I was starting to do a little bit of writing as well. And then an entry level job came up on BBC Wildlife magazine, which I applied for. And I got. I, I was one of those who interviewed you. Yes, you those, were. Years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I was a bit blown away. Yeah. I think you start, You ended up by interviewing me by the end of it. <laughs> Is he a suitable person to work with? That's how I felt. But, uh, uh, yeah, you did a well, good job. Well, they do say that about job interviews. You need to find the right place. Yeah. It's not just you being interviewed. You're also interviewing the company, aren't you? Well, true, true. Is this a place I want to work? Are these people I want to work with? And it, the answer was yes, all round. And then I spent six and a half years, thereabouts, at BBC Wildlife. Um, and that was amazing, you know. And not just because you were just a few desks over. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> There's a bird of prey on the ridge. So we're surrounded by these ridgy hills, and it looks like, I'd say that's a buzzard, but it's... This river is so beautiful. And obviously it's in spate at the moment because of all the rain we've had, but it's still clear. I'm so used to seeing rivers covered in gunge and slime yeah. and sewage fungus. And this far up There's nothing, the to, nothing to pollute it here. Yeah. I mean, there might be a couple... I think there are a few farms further up, yeah. but... But look, there's catkins on these... Hey, that looks like a hazel to me. There's a hazel. They're sort of, they're like, they're like proto-catkins. They're not like the lamb's tails, which will, no. those will burst into, into being. Amazing. So yes, you can see the waterfall now through the trees. Is this the waterfall? Yes. Ah, okay, so we're gonna, go. Oh. Looks like these folks come down to take photographs. And they're hoping to see some salmon as well. So yeah. Listen to the thunderous roar. I think we're, we're quite early. We can okay. carry on Go. to the, um, the bridge where I, I do often see Dipper. Okay, let's go and do that. Uh, we, can, we can wander back. Yeah. Megan, is this the main falls here? Yeah. Yeah, this is that. the main one. So they've built a really good viewing platform yeah. for people to stand and watch from. It's, it's a gorge, it's a little gorge with bare rock glistening and I mean that's a lot of hard work leaping, swimming up here. There's, uh, um, there's a, quite a lot of water, I think there's been quite a bit of rain recently yeah. so they might not have to make as much of a leap out of the water. Well, that's a good thing, it may encourage them to, to come through. So. Yeah. Although, We've just met uh, a local expert who's, who thinks most of the leaping is over, but um, we can for hope. Yeah, well, Megan and I have been joined by Sylvia. 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 Sylvia, what do you do? You work for Radnor. So I work for Radnor Wildlife Trust as the head of conservation. I started in this new role about two months ago. So I've been with the trust for five years, and I actually started at Gilvac as the exploring Gilvac assistant project officer and I just fell in love with the place. It's 
so yeah. so exciting and all that. the wildlife that you get. Well, here we are right beside these tumbling. Do, do they have a name for these this waterfall or is it just just the waterfall? Where the salmon come? Very boring. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the salmon that come through here. Are they, are they, are they, the numbers are declining or the numbers are a lot lower than they used to be but there's a lot of people that have been coming here for years to see them and they are saying about the lack of, of salmon that are coming through and they obviously there, there seems to be that sort of legend that everyone talks about that in I don't know hundreds of years ago there was so much salmon that you can go across the river walking on the walk back on of the salmon, salmon. Yeah. Um, and obviously now it isn't the case and there's been situations in the previous years where I came to see the salmon and I spent here about three or four hours and I didn't see any. Um, so, but I think at the same time is the same as anything that has to do with wildlife. You have to put that effort and it is a little bit of luck as well as persistence and make sure that you are at the right place at the right time. Do you know, are we at the, are we at the end of the salmon leaping season here? The river has been a bit up and down and then obviously they would they were still going to carry on going up the river for quite a while obviously the, the peak season is mid-october until about mid end of november so we might have we're about still okay. we are still okay and it's obviously going to depend a lot on the level of the waterfall so you want it high enough for them to have to leap over yeah. but not too high because then they were just going to swim up but we'd be able to see the swimming we all no. Really, it's even a big fish coming through here. We wouldn't see. No, it. sometimes you get so much off of those those rocks that oh, you, okay. you could not. But today we we should be. To today we should be. Today is a quite good level, and then obviously if it's too low, then they won't be able to do the jump. So this is almost perfect water. Yes. That's one good thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we are under definitely right conditions, and obviously the weather's managed to hold on. It's yeah, been so. Great. So wet Two out of three things. <laughs> yes. Just need some fish. Sorry, I think I just saw something. Oh really? Um, yeah, it was like a dark bit okay. on that, but then it went down. I thought I saw something. I yeah. thought I saw something, and I was like, did I? Did I make it up? Is my mind just manifesting the salmon? So it might have another go. Sometimes they get when they try to go up, they get stuck in that little pool as well. Oh really? That, oh, that one, one on the right. Yeah, that one on the right. Okay. So you can just about see it. Um, I saw something, it might have just been like, I saw something dark in the middle of the white, so it might yeah, have been one attempting it, but I feel like it was being pushed back. Okay. It's incredibly powerful, the water here, so, and salmon are incredibly powerful fish, but it's hard to believe anything could get through, but they can. Well, I think that's the aim, isn't it? If you can pass this waterfall, then you are good enough to mate and have future future baby fish. <laughs> yeah, okay. Survival of the fittest salmon. I think in this case, it does have to apply. Sometimes you can see, so you've got the salmon, but there might be brown trout as well. Oh, they like to come leaping up. They, they sometimes attempt it too. That was a very small brown trout. So we just saw a trout get swept. Over the uh, over the rapids, just saw its tail fin or something, and uh, it was it was it was very small, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it's trying to keep your eye on every single part yeah. of the waterfall at once. Yeah, we kind of need to divide our eyes up. <laughs> Try not to blink. Yes, there's a fish here. Just saw a fish. Yeah. Oh, look at the wrong the wrong direction. And it's just it's just coming through the. I mean, it was just a flick of a tail. You saw it? Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's evidence. <laughs> uh, well, that's pretty cool. That's the first leaping salmon I've ever seen. It was just along the edge of this rock. It, just... it gets quite addictive after a while. Yeah. You can't, stop you can't stop watching it. There are fish attempting to come out. That's exciting. Really, my excitement is sort of boosted. Sylvia, do you know how many salmon might pass up this river in a good year? That's a very good question. And I have not got the answer, I'm afraid. No. I know the... It's not thousands, it's hundreds. It, it would be in the hundreds or possibly less. Um, so, I know that the river, I think is the 
River Wine as a foundation that they do some sort of um, yes, salmon pounds. Yeah. And then um, they, they would have a, a number that goes up the Y because obviously um, the Mart the Martex is a tributary of the Y and then obviously the Y is the link to the Bristol Channel and then obviously it goes into the ocean but it's the same is the way of it's the salmon coming it's back up. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the, the, they try and work out how much how many salmon go up the Y and the us and then obviously you would try and work out I'm guessing an average on how much goes on each tributary. And the thing with salmon is they about 90 to 95% of them they're all going to want to go back to the places where they were born so they're all going to make the effort of going back upstream to where they were no born matter how hard no matter how hard it is 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 a quite incredible journey thinking that you go all the way to the to the sea and to the ocean to feed until you become an adult and then you decide to make all to come all the way back there are some sort of theories on how they do it is not completely not completely well known so i've heard it's like they can taste their home water or they can taste some molecules that remind them of home but that's as far as i know yeah so they're looking both at the magnetic fields of the earth oh, follow, follow, following them and then obviously the closer they get to um back towards the rivers where they were born into then they start feeling having those sort of those substances oh there's something there Definitely. oh i saw something so where the edge of the, the pool is, yeah. if you go across, it's just okay. there. Um, and then obviously they're, they're talking about, as you say, the, the smell of, of the water where they were born or the pheromones that are in that in the, in the water that would help them yeah. go all the way up. That's amazing. So it's, it's simply, they're born in the rivers because it's safe. Yep. They go to the sea to feed and grow, and then they come back to breathe. Most of them die once they've bred, or do some of them make it back? Most of them do die. There is a um, there is a quite small percentage of them that actually make it back, and there's been situations where, you, and it's usually the females that go all the all the way back to the sea. And I think there's been about I think two or three possible spawns by the same female coming wow. back. What a journey! And doing that journey, um, they must be legends of the salmon yeah, world. That's right. <laughs> There. Oh, yeah, yes. saw that I one. Oh, another. oh, and another one. <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. Salmon are coming. Two in a row. So they're going to have to come up this bit now. Presumably they're stuck in there. In a sort of washing machine. It does look a bit like a washing machine, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Two in a row, that was good. Oh, it's amazing. Quite fast, the action. If you blink and you will miss it. Yeah, it really is. It's not like they're not leaping in the air for like 10 seconds. <laughs> no, because when you watch the videos of it, yeah. it's all quite slow mo. But in real life, it's very, very yeah, quick. There's one in here. Right so, yeah, if they, so up here, you might be able to see it going. Oh, Did they get washed down? I don't know. But I saw something black just, just in here. So maybe they've reached this bit. Funny how you get closer and closer to yeah, the no, 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 We're now leaning over the parapet. And, uh, expecting a really big heat. It's strange, isn't it, that when you look at, at this, it just looks so wild, and you just go on the assumption that everything is alright and nothing is going wrong, and the river is healthy, and this, um, and all the wildlife that is using it as home or as feeding grounds going to be safe and then the closer you look the the sadder it gets and the most worrying it gets and obviously the salmon is going to be directly affected by anything that's happening with the river starting from changes in temperature changing in the levels of the water because of um, extreme weather events where you've got floods or droughts and then you've got all the pollution that is um, obviously in the big rivers. Should we give it a few more minutes to see if we can see another one? Then wander down to see the spawning. Yeah. Do you yeah. know where the spawning is? It's the wash, like before the washboard. Do you know what I the don't know. Is? I know where that is. The downside of standing still for so long is that my toes are getting cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have seen some salmon, which is absolutely incredible. I didn't think we would. So, 
So what, specifically on the wine, yep. what's the biggest issue facing the river? So currently is the pollution, the substances that are leaching within, within the river. So the highest one is the phosphate that comes both from uh, farming that is mostly nutrients from livestock manure and then we're talking about sewage treatments as well. So sewage and livestock dung yeah. basically. It's getting into the rivers. Phosphate does what to the river? The phosphate, because it has got phosphorus, it's based on phosphorus and now which caused the eutrophication um, of the river which is the, the algae bloom and the so fact that... It's almost like so much fertility. Yes, that you'll just have a, uh, an increase of the presence of algae that reduce all the oxygen that is within the water. So that means that anything that is in the water and depending on that oxygen is going to be affected. So we've come downstream and Siva just described this area as her favourite. So what did you say about the bone, the, the, the rocks? And the... So in, in the summer when the river is slightly lower, you, you can see the rocks and how they've been carved by the, by, flow, of the... By the flow of the water. And um, some of it for me looks a little bit like an octopus, but that's personal imagination and preference. <laughs> um, but it looks like the bones. And I saw a painting recently, um, but yeah, it just looked like it was called the Bones of Gilvac, and it was exactly that bones rock. Bones of Gilvac, I love it. That for me yes. looked like, like it looks like an octopus, and they're all they're white, so it's just, it just makes you feel quite humble when you think about water and the actual power that it has on modelling and changing the landscape around it. Over a long period as well, so I guess it's sort of this this river's been running for thousands of years. I guess all the good things take a long time. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> now we've come to a pool here um, where there's a group of other folk. And this is where some salmon are spawning. Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's what we were told. So the female would be laying the eggs and an accompanying male a male that came with her um, was going to fertilise them um, and then they, they, they lay them, she lays them into a, a depression that she creates in the gravel with her tail. Red. red yes, yeah. so red, that's the one. So those eggs, the fertilised eggs will be in that red um, until early spring when they're going to start hatching. So I'm just standing on a little precipice, uh, not precipice, a little promontory, a little concrete jetty almost um, above this pool. And see if I can see any big fish moving around in the, in the reds by this morning. You have to get your eye in, apparently. Um, I definitely hear the fish because the experts are just down the river. I'm not in the perfect space because. But I think I should be able to see them. So we've come to, we've just come out of the wind. The weather is closing in, as it always should do on a successful podcast. Megan, we, mission accomplished. I know, I was really worried that we weren't going to see anything, which is always the case with wildlife. You never know what you're going to see. I thought I'd have to resign myself to pointing out sm some of the smaller stuff, but no, we got there. <laughs> we saw leaping salmon live, and, and yeah, that's really great. I... And there were salmon spawning further down. There are still salmon in this river. Gosh, it's so precious. But, uh, what a precious place. I know. It's, I mean, you can see why I've been nagging you to come here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gilback. If you get a chance, come to Gilback. Uh, it's, it's in the middle of Wales. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. A little adventure. Megan, join us again on the podcast soon, please. Oh, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a Regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes like the brand new Samaris 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaras 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. Tech Foam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Well, I made it safely back to the studio, but it was a bit of a hobble after... <laughs> After possibly the worst podcast injury. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that now because uh, I'm in the studio with Maria Maria Hodson, who's my colleague on BBC Country Farm magazine. Hello. Hello. Maria. Hi. Good to see you. Jack and Hannah, are, my usual team, are away this week, so but more than adequately replaced by Maria. And I'm glad you've had a chance to listen to that adventure. What did you think? <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed it. It was it was gripping. And I do have questions about that injury because that sounded yeah. severe. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see you're in one piece. Yeah, tell me what happened. Uh, well, I was just, I was, I, I have actually got the recording of the injury, but I, it's there's so much swearing that I can't possibly. <laughs> maybe we'll do it in a Christmas bleepers. But actually, it was a lesson to me because I really did hurt myself. I went down, I slipped over so badly. Having just said, "Oh, it's a bit slippery out here," I went down so hard on my thigh which is a weird thing to come down on, but it's not. I don't recommend it. There are other softer parts of the body. I, yeah. My whole body seemed to come down on the, my thigh, on the side of like a rock or something. Oh, I was so shocked. And I was lucky Megan was there because... Although she, Did yeah, she have to help you out? Yeah, well, she was chiving me along. Like, <laughs> come on, we've got to go and see the salmon. I was like, really in agony. Um, and it was three or four days of absolute agony. I drove home. I don't know how. It wasn't too bad driving. But when I got out of the car, I couldn't walk. And I, <gasps> I got to bed, couldn't sleep because of the pain. It was so bad. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, have you me. had it checked out medically? Yeah, it's fine now. I, I, did a, I sort of staggered around. I had to walk the dog a couple of days later. And I staggered around the park. And now five days later, I sort of, I've got this huge, huge bruise. It's, I'm not going to drop my trousers and show you. It's not the thing we do in the podcast. I'll take here. your word for it. Yeah, Because I want to ask you, because you, you broke your ankle recently. I did. This is why I'm listening yeah. with keen ears. Because I was trying to persuade myself that I, I hadn't sustained any severe injury. Because I didn't, you know, we don't really want to. You know that it's going to wipe out the next several months. So well, I was trying to avoid going. Tough. Yeah, that's... yeah, I fell off a stepladder over the summer. And uh, again, lots of cursing, turning the air blue and lying on the bed and insisting that just a packet of peas would probably see it right. (laughs) But luckily I have quite a strict neighbour who basically frog marched me or frog pushed me to to A&E who (laughs) x-rayed it and said I had a broken ankle. (laughs) But it it knocked out your walking for quite a long time. Oh, yes. Yes. I was hobbling around in a... In a boot. I mean, I was up probably faster than other people because I was able to. They were amazed that I could bear weight on it, and I had a boot and some crutches. So I was, I was doing that, but cool. I was not. Uh, yeah, not in the hills. <laughs> not in the hills. Not running any races. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you're better as well. I, I, I think the the lesson for me was because I often go walking alone in quite wild, remote places, and I have had falls and I've gone, oh, well, dust myself down. But this one was uh, has, has shocked me because it really could have. Yeah, I really could have broken my leg, and then yeah. would have had I been on my own somewhere deep in the Black Mountains or who yeah. knows the Misty Mountains. Yeah, then <laughs> and, what happens? Well, then you get have, and if you don't have a phone signal, yeah, it's the, a real the, risk. And the ravens get you. Yeah, that's it. That's it for you. I mean, I mean, I, I'm also then I applaud you for carrying on. I, I didn't get, a, uh, I didn't get a sense of that injury. For the remainder of the podcast, which is what's quite extraordinary. No, maybe so. it was sort of the, 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 the absolute well horror of hadn't really come through yet. <laughs> yeah. And also very, very professional, Maria. Very I professional. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I mean, you deserve an award just for yeah. that. Um, but there's, there's me moaning about a, a leg, and these poor salmon have to go through the most <laughs> appalling kind of uh, challenges. And, I, I was really um, taken aback when I was listening to their journeys. I, I, I did know it on some level, but I, it's always it's always so good to be reminded of exactly what they undergo and how exhausting their life sounds to make it all the way down to the sea, to do the feeding, to make it all the way back to spawn again, and then lots of them... That's the end for them. It's so tragic in some ways. It's a great, it's a great sort of romantic tragedy. You make all, you travel this distance to find a part, to find a mate, mm. and then you lay your eggs or fertilize them, mm. and then that's it. You're exhausted. Yeah, it's a, oh, this mighty fish is. It just goes to. Well, it doesn't go to waste, but but it's the end of its its journey. I mean, have you seen my octopus teacher? Because that's no. a really brilliant film about the the life cycle of an octopus, and I don't oh. want to do any spoilers, but I mean, <laughs> it has relevance in this conversation oh, really? that that actually finally after having reproduced, and the octopus sort of just. <laughs> I really am doing a massive spoiler here, but hopefully most people are aware yeah, well, of the life cycle of. <laughs> well, I wasn't. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, but I don't mind the it's spoiler. It's so cause... moving. I highly recommend it. It's a really, it's a great film. Oh, well, it's a great a documentary. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was going to recommend some, something also about salmon because mm. Henry Williamson, who wrote Tark of the Otter, also wrote a book called Sala the Salmon, which is an epic journey following one fish, without giving it like loads of personality. It's but it's just a really brilliant. I mean, if you like fish and, and salmon, it's it's really brilliant. But yeah. it, it's a great fiction of a salmon making all its way to spawn. It's a beautiful book, okay. but not well known compared no, to No, I've Tarka. never heard of that. Sala the Salmon, really, really worth a, worth a go. Well, I was really pleased when I was listening to it. Oh, I say, at first I was very tense when I was listening to it because I was living in fear that you wouldn't actually see any salmon. So was I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had there to too go. many podcasts and too many reports back of having made these quests and then there is yeah. no sign of the wildlife. So I was on tenterhooks and then... We did see tada. them. We did really see leaping salmon. And I mean, it wasn't... So when you see the sort of those Canadian rivers where the salmon leap and the bears catch them in mid they weren't leaping quite like that. But I think they do there. I just think we were unlucky. We'd, we'd come right at the very end of the leaping season. But we did see them sort of slipping through the frothy water. But it was like lightning. You had Amazing. to sort of check with your neighbour. Was that? <laughs> and, and, that and, and there was one. There was one which did hang in the air briefly. You could see the whole curve of its oh, body. Wow. So these fish are, um, you know, they're I had 50, 60 centimetres long. They can grow much bigger than that. But that, I'd say that was probably about the size of these these ones. So it's quite a substantial. Yeah. Not, so were you seeing flashes of silver? Were you, so you saw black, black actually black, dark or dark brown yeah. as the okay. top of the body? Because yeah. yes, they're, they're, the flanks are beautiful silver and very. Probably more beautiful than the fish you see in slabs in fishmongers, which are farmed salmon and have a slightly different sort of look. I mean, you know, that's the general Atlantic mm. salmon look, but mm. they're, they're sort of slightly fitter and leaner. And, yeah, after um, that journey, I'm not surprised. Journey, yeah. It's pure muscle. Pure yeah. muscle. And it all wastes away because they don't feed, as, as Sylvia said. Yeah, I'd like to say a big thank you to Sylvia Kodjikaro, who's head of conservation for Radnorshire. Wildlife Trust. Honestly, it's a really fabulous place to go. I really have you been to Gilvac? I haven't, but it sounded beautiful, and it's definitely now on my list of places to visit. I felt I could have just spent forty minutes describing how beautiful it was, but maybe that's been a bit boring. Well, salmon leaping and the broken leg incident. So, <laughs> I don't know. I liked I liked the mention of the rose hips as well. You know, you're discussing about how they added pops of colour, and Megan was talking about foraging and turning into syrup. Yes. For, Unspecified cereals. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes, we can't, we can't mention the... Uh, um, yeah, I've never done that. Have you, have you foraged anything this autumn? I mean, not this autumn. No. My foraging is, doesn't have a high success rate. <laughs> I think I that's do. quite that's quite a common outcome for most people's foraging, yeah. Yeah, things either sit in the freezer to be turned. I think I did that with slows and then never turned them into anything. Wild garlic I, I gathered and then made a, a really gruesome pesto out of it. <laughs> it so, can be good but yeah I, i'm just not naturally a particularly skilled cook anyway so i'm not i don't think it's a particular to the foraging i think it's just an unfortunate combination of yep. <laughs> poor culinary skills <laughs> and inadequate foraging one day i'll get there oh well we, we'll have to test out some of these things and try them in the studio so because i think that's part of the joy is going out and finding 
foraging and then inflicting the horror on, <laughs> on, other people. on the other two. Um, well, so that's what I've been up to over the past few days. I mean, I've had some I've had some good podcast adventures, which will be coming out over the next few weeks and into 2024. But what about you, Maria? Have you seen, done any wild adventures? I have. I have. have you? Um, oh, good. Because on Monday night, I... Uh, attempted a full moon swim under the beaver moon. The November full moon is known as the beaver moon. Oh, oh, really? And I got into very cold water at Clevedon Marine Lake. I joined the Bristol Blue Tits for a... Uh, That's yeah, what they're called, the Bristol swim. Blue Tits. They're called the Bristol Blue okay. Tits. They regularly swim on a Monday, but they also always swim under the full moon. How so amazing. <laughs> so you've recorded that for I've recorded it, yes. How did it go? I mean, I, with no spoilers, obviously. No spoilers. You're still alive. Well, I it? will. Yeah, I'm still alive, just. And I will be honest that I had a lot of uh, reservations about getting in before. And it was incredibly dark, incredibly cold. And I really regretted having committed to this <laughs> as an adventure. But you're so, such a professional. But, but I'm such a professional, just like you and your yeah. s- extraordinary injury. I, I persevered. So you can listen to I'm it. I'm really excited because <laughs> it's something I just wouldn't do. I mean, I, I have swum in cold rivers. Because you're not crazy. Well, <laughs> there are other, other crazy and silly things that I will do. I will drive through a snowy mountain to try and see a lesser spotted woodpecker and nearly career off the road into my doom. But I definitely wouldn't get into a cold lake in the middle of the night because... I mean, it depends if, if it was a jolly crowd and there was some, there was a nice bonfire going. But no, seriously, was it was it as bad as your as your face is telling me? It was. It was actually it was actually extraordinary. It was wonderful. But it's always I personally find it always pretty horrific when you first get in, and then there's a rush after. Oh, really? Do you get like there's, some endor- endorphins? Yeah, is it? Yeah. I, I I won't go into all of it because it's no, obviously no, no, I've no, kept no. it on the recording. Yeah. But I I will also warn you. That of course, you know I'm set what set into the wilds with just the recorder, and I didn't have anyone else accompany me, so I had to work out how to record myself swimming. And oh. I ended up I was wearing a head torch because you have to have a light, so I had my head torch on, and then I put the recorder under the elasticated band of the head torch Genius. and put my woolly hat on top and was swimming with it sort of precariously dangled above my face. So I don't know what the audio quality of that as That's I enter the, the inky black water. Oh, we've never be done like... that before. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm kind of very, very interested to hear. And that will probably go out early in 2024 because we've got pretty much, we're nearly at Christmas. So we've got our Christmas issues coming up. And uh, well... It'll be a new year, but uh, and I'm delighted that Maria, you're going to be doing more uh, adventures for us as well because you've that's got the plan. Brilliant, um, yeah, brilliant, really exciting. We will do a little preview of 2024 in our Christmas special. We always really love to hear what you guys are up to out there in the wild, in the countryside, wherever you are. It doesn't have to be the UK. Just tell us if you've seen anything, done anything, or recorded anything, because that's we love to play recordings from listeners, and we've had dozens and dozens over the over this year. And the very best recordings and emails will get a lovely book from the podcast library, which which adorns the shelves of our of our of our recording room here. I do have a really nice email. In fact, I should say to contact us, Maria, me, Hannah, Jack, uh, editor at countryfile.com or any of BBC Countryfile magazine's social media uh, outlets. <laughs> what do we call them? Channels, channels uh, like Facebook, find Countryfile magazine there. And you can also find us on Instagram, Instagram yeah, Twitter, Twitter, or X, X Twitter. Is now, yeah. Yes, let's be X Twitter, and <laughs> and you can find me on all these as well, Fergus Collins or Blorange Views is my is my handle. So um, you're very welcome to get in touch with me personally. I do have a lovely email here from Martin White, and he has. But he says very nice things. He said, many thanks for the magazines you edited over the years. I'm receiving them as a Christmas subscription. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, I no longer edit the magazine, but I, and I miss it immensely, but I'm really enjoying the podcast. And he says, I'm now binge listening to the podcast. I'm only up to the honey buzzards in a Welsh forest, which I think is about episode 100 or even 85, something like that. I haven't got it to hand here. That's a great episode. Honey buzzards. Actually, finding honey buzzers in Britain, but I won't bore Fantastic. you with it. I won't bore you with it now, Maria. I would like to know what recording equipment the team use. I have some lovely blackbirds in my garden that quietly warble to themselves. My phone at a distance will not pick up their song, and as soon as I try to get close, they fly away. With the many trees and shrubs in our garden, it's quite a good food factory. So we do get quite a few different birds. Could you re- recommend some suitable listening recording devices? Where I walk, 
our dog in a local wood, I can stand underneath ravens and they seem to have a very low-level mumble. Uh, loving the podcast with its very guests and topics. Martin, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I'm sorry Jack's not here because he would be the best person. He's our technical wizard. But I think you can get, I know Kevin Parr, who works with us, has a device that he plugs into his phone, a microphone, uh, that he plugs into his, his phone, phone, smartphone, which can pick up sounds from, a, a, for, from quite a distance away. And he's used that to record podcasts. I've actually done quite well with my phone just sticking it in the air and hoping for the best because you can get some apps also that are that enhance the microphone on your f- smartphone professionally we use zoom recorders so there's a whole host of different i mean there's lots of different manufacturers out there we use zoom recorders because they are very portable and they they seem to do the trick for us uh, we'll probably and we also use some olympus recorders they're not too expensive. I can't sort of do a whole promo- promotion for these things, but um, have a look for, for some voice recorders. Even dictaphones can work really well. But do get yourself a little fluffy wind jammer because wind is the enemy of a good podcast um, and and generally quite an unpleasant thing for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was very much there on Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were down and, oh gosh, uh, I'm, not sh- I'm now beginning to worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> wind and watery podcast of the year. Um, so Martin thanks for that I hope that's useful and um, I will email you with some specific suggestions which I'm not able to promote during the podcast well that's pretty much it Maria thanks very much for coming in and I hope to see you again in the studio soon next week's episode will be the first of our we're going to do a two-parter Christmas special a Christmas party for the podcast excellent but thanks so much for listening and well from us in the studio it's goodbye Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with Regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, Regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.